everybody, welcome to Band Advice TV. I am your host, Mark Allen V, and Matt Mason. Matt Mason, man, it's good to see you again. Man, you too, dude. Uh, What's been, been going on? I'll just stay busy. So, for you guys that don't know, this is the Matt and Mark About Music podcast. Uh, we've been uh, been a little busy lately; haven't had a chance to shoot any episodes. Uh, but uh, we're going to explain to you why. So, why don't you tell us what you've been up to? Man, I've been putting out this album. I played with Robin Trower at the Brady Theater. We did TV on KTUL in Tulsa. Um, just, man, it, that was a big undertaking. I bet it was. I bet it was. You know, and the, the band I had with me was different than my usual. And so it was a lot to, lot to take on, but I'm glad I did it, and uh, it came out really good. Awesome. Now, where was this at? It was at the Brady Theater Brady in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Wow. Soon, soon to be renamed... Uh, Tulsa Theater or something yeah, like that. Yeah, the Hostess Twinkies uh, something theater. Yeah, I can remember it used to be called the Old Lady on Brady. Yeah, right. Yeah. That was, that in fact, was... I think it still says that in one of the awnings above the concession stand. Mm -hmm. It says the Old Lady. But yeah, they're, they're having to change the name. They're changing the name of the street down there in that whole district anyway. Yeah. So. But you know, I, I saw that they took the uh, letters off the, the outside. It no longer says Brady Theater outside, but mm. they're still... Billing it as that as far as ticket sales and stuff. Yeah, I, I think there's going to probably be a you know a little changeover period. You know, like when, like when Phillips was rebranded as Conoco Phillips. Right, right. I mean, think about everything that now all of a sudden has to be changed. Mm -hmm. Everything from their free ink pens to their <laughs> you know credit card applications right. to their logos. I mean, signage. I mean, anybody in that department had lots of work. Yes, forever to do. Yes, so yeah. it's the same kind of thing. Yep. Same kind of deal. And so uh I never played there before. And so that was that was really that was really good. I really enjoyed it and you know, it's it's just a real different kind of thing to look out there and see, you know, mm -hmm. fifteen hundred people who are actually there to watch the music, you know. Oh yeah, I bet. And so uh, you know, I I this is the third time we played with Trout. So how do you land a gig like that? Well, you're just patient and persistent and polite. Ah, three Ps. Okay. Yeah. And cool. so, you know, you, I started when I saw that advertised in uh, January the 3rd, mm -hmm. I immediately sent a message to Trower's management. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I kind of got into where they know me a little bit uh, since the, we played with them a couple more times before that. And so he immediately wrote me back and said, I have no problem with you all being on the bill. You did a great job these last times. You know, it's, it's okay with the promoter. It's okay with me. Mm -hmm. So I'd never worked with DCF before. And so it took me a little while to get them kind of warmed up. But, uh, you know, I sent one message, no answer. I sent another message. And it's like, well, we don't know what we're doing yet. And I was mm -hmm. like, well, I got an idea here. I'll send you this <laughs> message from his management in England, you know, and no answer, mm. <laughs> you know, and so they're waiting on they're waiting on somebody to buy on probably is how it really goes. Okay, well, what do you mean by buy on? <clears throat> I mean that like your a lot of those opening acts they pay for the the right the privilege to uh, to be included on such a pay to play awesome huh? yeah it's pay it to still play exists, huh? oh it it's does crazy. big time like you know uh, last year when the Foo Fighters came to the BOK Center. Yeah. My bass player friend that I was uh, playing with at the time, Tracy, he, he's been a longtime Citibank employee. Mm -hmm. Well, Citibank was sponsoring the Foo Fighters tour. Oh, yeah. And he's like, I'm going to find out how to get us on the bill. I'm like, oh, I'd love to hear it. Yeah. Uh, he's like, I know all the top brass. I'll, I'll get an answer quick. And I'm like, all right. So he comes back. I think he was really dejected when he f when he found out this is how much they wanted twenty five k for Whoa, one night. Yeah, what the, what's that buy you? Well, you know, it's like exposure in a variety of levels. You know, not only to the fans that are at the show to see the Foo Fighters, but 
also in some of the advertising and printing on the tickets and the, you know, it's just your merchandise. It just, you know, it's a different, it's a different segment of the music lover. Mm-hmm. You know, even after, Mark, 20-some years of doing this, there were people at that show that had never heard of me. What? They had never heard of her. I guarantee you they won't forget you. Yeah, and it's just like, I don't understand how that could have happened other than this is a different segment of the audience True. than I usually play for, you know? I mean, the people going to their local bar, not all of them are going to the concerts. You know? And vice versa, too. And vice versa, exactly. And so... You know, it's like you're exposing yourself to a little bit different, more discriminating music okay. fan, and so I guess that's worth something. Plus, the headline act—they got expenses. The venues got expenses. The promoters got expenses. It all kind of makes sense. So they're kind of looking at someone to kind of share the costs. Yeah, the love a little bit. Yeah, they don't call okay. tour support for nothing. Right. But, the, but the, what do you get? What do you get in return for that? You get a portion of the ticket sales, or is it just exposure? Or I would think that like. Other people that I've known that have played with big bands like that and gone on tours with big bands mm-hmm. like that, it was just, you know, very minimal. Maybe, you know, they'll give you $500 or $1,000 play to play at Texas Stadium. <sighs> well, that doesn't even cover really your road manager no, or your no. transportation or your tech crew or people run the merch or the merch because mm-hmm. if you don't have merch in front of 18,000 people right. you're really shooting yourself in the foot so right. you got to have something kind of seed the mm-hmm. seed the garden you know and so man it's it's just sobering when you realize wow this is a really a big business it's not really necessarily about you know who's the best fit or who really wants to do it the most it's mm-hmm. about who's got the most money you know true and it's just kind of like that with everything now. But yeah. I'm still in my heart of hearts. I still believe in the underdog and the, the guy out there that just does it because he loves it, you know. Mm-hmm. And I just, like I said, I've just developed kind of a relationship with Trower's management and, you know, DCF. I didn't know them, but now they kind of know me, you know. Sure. They know, hey, this guy will come in and do a good job. He'll get on television and promote our show without us having to, you know, do it all for him or mm-hmm. whatever. And uh, you know, get press and everything like that. And, you know, they, they kind of know what your work ethic right, right. is and you kind of like develop a track record and mm-hmm. rapport with them. And I understand they don't, you know, they don't make big money on every show. The promoter's right. the biggest gambler in the music business, right, right. you know, cause they could have a Grammy winner that's $50,000 and they only sell, you know, mm-hmm. a limited number of tickets and whatever reason that is. Tulsa is kind of a, a fickle market. There's not, tons and tons of people like there is in these bigger cities that's true and you got tons of op- options now too i mean every casino is hosting exactly hosting nationwide acts and not international acts and yeah you know you can go shoot every every weekend and find somebody that's been on the radio man there was time, there so. was a, a week last fall where it was like i mean it started out i think sunday night with jack white and every night, some venue for a week straight, there was somebody big, mm-hmm. Grammy winner, you know, something. Yeah. And it was like, okay, I want to go to see, you know, four of these things. Well, guess what? You can't really do everything. Right. You don't have the time nor the money, and you have to, you know, kind of budget what you're doing sure, and sure. decide what you're doing. So, I mean, it's it's an increasingly competitive business. Which I understand that, but at the same time, you got to have some way to sustain yourself, and right. so that's why I was so adamant about trying to get this music out there, and you know, get some more merch out there, and you know, just keep on pushing forward, man. Mm-hmm. Well, let's on... talk about uh, your big push forward that you had to get ready for. Yeah, so this is it right here: "Be the Wolf," 
live at Kane's Ballroom. It's half studio and half live. Nice. And so the live portion comes from the first time we played with Trower at the Brady or Kane's Ballroom mm-hmm. in 09. 09. <laughs> Way back in 09. Wow. That was 10 years ago. It's hard to believe that. Oh, yeah, geez. man. I mean, and you know, we had this, we had, we recorded it live. I was live. still in my 30s in 09. Yeah. <laughs> That's a long time ago. It's 10 years ago. Yeah. But it'd been bouncing around the archives, you know, and I thought, all right, I want to make this really good. And so we, I put the studio tracks first and then the live at Kane's is the second half of mm-hmm. it. And so I real, felt really strongly about getting the stuff out there. You know, Ace Ace recorded the studio stuff and mm-hmm. produced that and uh, really helped bring out a level of refinement that I hadn't really seen before. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of work and a lot of blood, sweat, and tears in those recordings, you know. And then yeah. the, the, the live thing was recorded by my friend Les Mormon, who's also deceased. And uh, that was a monumental thing you know playing with an english guitar legend like trower was (laughs) like man i couldn't have dreamed that when i was 13 right right (laughs) so it looks like you got about 15 tracks on. yeah there's 15 songs on it and so all originals yeah except for there's a couple there's a cover of manic depression by Jimi hendrix Mm -hmm. from the live one and then we covered don't let it bring you down by neil young that was one of the last things that ace and sean and i completed before he passed okay and so it's kind of weird prophetic type thing you know it's maybe his some of his final advice to me you know sure sure it's a real cosmic heavy song lyric wise and Mm -hmm. we kind of did it our way and made made it our thing but all the rest is written by me and okay some help from ace and sean well, it's, uh, the artwork definitely is cool looking. So Yeah, boy, it came out great. And I was really worried because I, I had another thing happen. It was going to happen, and he couldn't do it at the last minute. And so my friend Scott that mm-hmm. does the Scott Yachts T-shirt uh, graphic design, you know, he's mm-hmm. he's a really good friend. And so I called him up and sent him a Mayday message, and he, so he answered, and we got this all together. And I, I'm, he's the one that created the Wade and the Shade character that I do the voiceover oh, sweet. voice for. Yeah. Okay. So we did this, and then he's like, hey, I got this thing I want you to do, Wade and the Shade. And so it was like a it was a sizzle reel for this festival in uh, outside Kansas City that had, like, Blackberry Smoke and uh, Whiskey Myers and mm-hmm. Alabama was playing. Whoa. Yeah, it was the lineup I was thought stellar. they broke up. No, they, well, they did and they didn't. I don't know. They had the big farewell thing and then they're back. Yeah. Kind of like Brooks and Dunn, we're done. Oh, we're not done. Yeah, done. right. <laughs> Ronnie Dunn. Yeah, right. So uh, he had me do that. It, that was really fun. I enjoyed being Wade in the Shade because he's kind of like, you know, you get to kind of be somebody else for, you know, and my lines aren't complicated. It's, you know. Yeah. It's just fun, good. Voiceover works fun to do. Yeah, so. it is fun. I, I'd like to do more of it, you know. Oh, can uh, can we get a link up here in the notes, son? To HurricaneMason.rocks, man. Yeah. Check it what out. about the Wade in the Shade stuff, too? So people hear it. Uh, it's just, it's just really yeah, if if you look at the uh, Tumbleweed Festival on Facebook, it was it's called Tumbleweed. It's like the second or third year of it. You can check that out there in their videos. You can go to ScottYachtsTees.com, okay. I think it is. Very cool. Uh, and check it all out. But yeah, it's, it, that was a huge undertaking. And, you know, I was using another band, you know, had the Electric Billy Club guys mm-hmm. backing me up. So, you know, we put together a good tight show and a good uh, presentation of, you know, some 
the little engine that could, you know. Nice, nice. <laughs> so what's next on your list, man? Well, you know, I've Other been get- trying to do these darn podca- podcasts. Yeah, I've been <laughs> I've been getting into Facebook Live, you know. Yeah, I saw some of that stuff. You and, were doing the the couch ditties at one time. Yeah, and... I'm still doing that too. Nice, you know, nice. it's just first of all, I'm doing this because I like to be entertained, and you entertain yourself well. <laughs> right. And so I figure if someone else can be entertained or educated sure. or stimulated or whatever it is by what I do, then my work is done. There you, you know? go. Sure. So I've been doing this Facebook live videos and it's just kind of like been me, you know, talking about this or talking about that and what I've been doing and, and uh, playing a little bit. And I've been doing some from some gigs and, you know, just trying to like every one of these music manifesto marketing things you read is mm-hmm. like, you got to let the audience know you. And I'm like, that is so hard man, yeah, because is. I'm not like an extrovert normally, <laughs> <laughs> not normally an extrovert. And it's very hard for, you know, when you think about, okay, there's 4,800 people on here that claim to know me. <laughs> at least four of them might be watching right, right. you know are they gonna what are they gonna think of this well you know what who cares exactly who cares it doesn't cost you anything to right do it, exactly so. and so i'm like you have to look, sort of let people know you as a person not just hey i'm a great musician by my shit everybody's great right Dude. We're all legends in our own minds. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and so you, you sort of it's not just enough to have good music you have to sort of create a, a a brand you have to create like sort of a familiarity with you and sure. uh, just getting people used to what you're about you know and I, I think a lot of people when they look at me they don't really know they, they think maybe one thing but I'm very different than you would think mm-hmm. and so I've been really uh, working hard on the you know just psyching yourself up to be able to to do that mm-hmm. and just uh, feel comfortable doing it and you know i've done enough television radio and all that that's fine but you know some of that's been live some of it's taped this is like right now exactly you know, yeah so, there's no uh, undo redo yeah you know, so you know, you know there's a there was a couple of times the other night at the gig where you know let's just say the <laughs> the frog slipped out of my hands before I get him on the hook. You know? <laughs> and so that's the beauty of it. Right. People want to see the humanity of you sure. as the artist toiling away yeah. in your, in your natural environment, <laughs> yeah, you know? your natural habitats. Yeah. <laughs> the way we're the artist. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. I know what you mean though. Cause you know, along with this channel we've got a lot of the stuff that i'm doing, uh, the tips, tricks and stuff like that. And, you know, I love those, man. And, I love it. Thanks. And it's, uh, you know, you come up with this idea, you run through the script in your head. And I don't, I don't read a script because I just, I hate reading scripts. I tend to get really tongue-tied. So, a lot of the stuff I'm just kind of thinking and coming up with. This is, I need to say this, say this. Oh crap, I meant to say this. Go back and say it again, and I'll end up with a, you know, 40 minutes of recording that goes down to about 10 minutes. It's like, oh. That's where it just they takes say. Forever. That's where they say, eat the chicken, throw out the bone. Right, right. <laughs> it just it sometimes takes forever to really get into the, the editing and all that, and I have to let myself. I'm such a perfectionist. I have to let myself not be perfect, though. Yeah. Allow some of these uhs and oopses kind of slide and that's, in there. And that's the humanity part right. of it. Right. I mean, everyone is so, like, technology and non-humanity is, mm-hmm. is like, the normal now. Right. So the underground and the different is being human, you know? Mm-hmm. And so that's what I think people like. And as a... You know, a perfectionist, I know it's hard. It's, it's really hard. But, I'm, you is. know, you get better at it. when yeah. you, you know, the yeah. more you do it, the easier it is. And if you just sit down for a minute sure. and, you know, kind of line out in your mind what you want to say and how you mm-hmm. want to say it, then it comes off, you know, pretty mm-hmm. good. Just be normal. Be yourself. Yeah, that's kind of the way I do is I'll, I'll just sit there and I'll say, okay, I think I did pretty good up here. And I'll just keep repeating until I finally get to the end. <laughs> 
And then when I go to edit, I start at the end because I know the end is actually the best one. And then I'll trim it back, trim it back, and find the. So sometimes it'll be like five or six takes of one particular paragraph I'm trying to say, and it's like it's mm -hmm. crazy. But yeah, yeah it's and that's the far. that's the unnerving part about the live deal is you don't get that luxury. No, you don't. Yeah, no. so I mean, uh, it's hard, man. But yeah, that's uh, something I've been toying with. It was an idea I came up with uh, for the summer is going to be the summer live sessions. So I've got a bunch of songs I've been writing. I was just going to. Maybe like on a Friday night at nine o'clock, just go Facebook Live and actually record yeah. this song live and or however many takes and put it out. And yeah, I've got uh, yet to find the time to actually start that. And the summer's half over. Well, you're a but, uh, you're a dad and a uh, spouse, and you have a job, man. Yeah, a couple I, you jobs. Know, so yeah, it's, it's crazy. Like, uh, between that and the stuff you've taken on with the church and mm -hmm. everything, it's like you know you're busy, dude. Yeah, yeah. And the thing, don't yeah, be too hard on yourself. <laughs> but you know the thing about recording too is that you can't sit there and say, "Oh, I got two hours. I'm going to go record something." Right. It never works. Right. So I the. I debuted a song I wrote today in church, and so over the weekend I wanted to get it recorded so everybody could hear it to practice. I say over the holiday, and uh, it's like, okay, I've got an hour and a half to do this. That's fine. I'll just do a quick little drum track, put the bass on the guitars, do the vocals. Three hours later, <laughs> still not happy with the vocal track, but I had no choice. I had to send it out. Says so just pardon the vocals. This is just a demo, but yeah, you just you can't you can't pin yourself down to it because he especially with myself i start to get stressed and it's like i'm frustrated yeah just, it's a luxury <laughs> it's a luxury to work at your own leisure <laughs> right right you know because so. I've, I've been on so many of those situations where it's like under the gun either we do it now get it done in this amount of time and that's as best as we can do that's where we're going to end up with. right right and that's stressful it but is. you know man it's like at the same time it's kind of that fight you know it brings that out in mm -hmm. you where you're not less like, oh, I know I can just goof off for six years getting this snare sound. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's kind of like, per, it's some urgency that like, hey, get this out. Don't think too much about it. All the greats, they always say, oh, I didn't think too much about it. Yeah, well, yeah, here it is, a, you know, whatever legendary song or album or whatever you didn't think too much about and just they don't really th overthink it. I sure, guess. sure. Well, you know, there's been stories about that too. I know that uh, Walk This Way, the... Aerosmith and they're trying to record that they couldn't come up with the hook couldn't figure it out and they're just stressed out about it finally the producer's like let's go eat let's go watch a movie or something like that so they, yeah. they went and saw Young Frankenstein <laughs> and the part where Marty Feldman is walk this way and they're like yeah well, that's that it, it off. that's mean, our line boom, exactly just like that <laughs> You know, and Bon Jovi is the same thing. They, they tried all afternoon trying to get the tracks down for uh, Wanted Dinner Alive and just wasn't working. So they went out and had dinner, and uh, after three or four bottles of wine, they went back to the studio, one take done. Yeah. So it's like that, that kind of magic happens once in a while, but you definitely can't force it. So. Yeah, I mean, everybody <laughs> says something like, oh, it's like catching lightning in a bottle. Well, let me tell you, boys and girls, it is like catching lightning in a bottle. <laughs> You can hammer away at something all day long, and next thing you know, you're just so frustrated and tired of it. Then you just come back with a fresh set of ears, and you, it, it's just all got to kind of come together and focus on one little thing, you know? Mm -hmm. And so... Well, I definitely know why it costs so much to record albums back in the day. Well, even today, it's like, because you have that kind of situation. You can't sit there and say, I bought a, bought a block of five hours, and we're going to mm -hmm. knock out five songs at a song an hour. Doesn't work that way. Right. It does not work. And I can way, definitely so. tell when somebody says, Oh, I did the drum tracks for the whole album today. I'm like, Oh, yeah. Well, you can pretty well tell what the level of those drum tracks are going to be. Kick, snare, kick, snare. You can't really, <laughs> you can't really say you recorded 11 solid master level drum tracks for 11 songs no. in one day. No. It's, yeah. I would say that's very impossible. No. No, maybe two songs in one day. Mm -hmm. 
I could believe that. But, I mean, it just takes a lot. you got to make sure that stuff sounds good first. Then yep. you got to make sure your signal chain's good second. Then yep. you got to make sure that it's not overdriving. All this recording crap's, you know. Mm-hmm. It all's got to work in concert, you know. Sure does. And getting that together is difficult, especially, you know, I always look at the studio thing like this is the guy who shows up and plays with the band at its most important sp- time mm-hmm. who doesn't rehearse with the band, didn't mm-hmm. come to all the shows. Yeah. He just shows up once in a while. You got to learn how to work good with him. Right. And get that as as tight and as close to your vision of it as you can, you know? Oh, guys like Brent Mason that just kind of walk in there. And it always amazes me watching his his, his photos, too. He's, oh, yeah, they had a couple hours studio session and just the amount of gear that he hauls in just for those couple of oh, hours. Oh, he doesn't haul it in. He's well, got a, he doesn't. He's but got a cartage company. <laughs> he's, he, the amount of gear that is there and present, he, he almost builds like this cubicle around himself yeah. with the racks and all that. And yeah. And I'm just, just watching him work, like even the volume pedal while he's doing these solos, it's like, dude... How do you how do you move all those things at the same time? It's well, he crazy. you know he's geared for doing that. Sure, you know that's yeah. why he plays on a, those session guys play on a lot of those records, and I mean I don't I don't necessarily agree with it all the time. I think if the artist is working with a good band with them on the road, then that they should be on the record. Right. Yeah. Uh, that but Nashville's full of reasons Ugh. why and everything, and I don't really even know. But like Mason's really good at it, and he's been doing it focusing on that primarily for a long time mm-hmm. he's good at working with the producers he knows and he understands what they want he's mm-hmm. good at the reading the nashville numbering system charts i mean i taught this guy that was like his uncle i'm trying to think what his uncle's name was but he was a fiddle player mm-hmm. and when he was i was t- teaching him lessons he was like yeah my uncle played on this uh, bluegrass album brent mason played guitar and you know a bunch of the a-listers were on it mm-hmm. they cut an entire record in one day isn't that crazy? From demos. It's like, here's the demo. Okay, here's the chart. Okay, let's try it once. Yeah, all right, that was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Go on to the next one. I mm-hmm. mean, and it's like a machine, man. It's mm-hmm. like a it's like a hit factory. And those guys are good at it. Everything's working all the time, you know. I mean, guys like me, I got to go out and make money and play on the road and do this and that. And then, you know, think about this as a whole nother headspace, you yep. know. Yep, exactly. So when you record, though, do you uh, – do you like to do it all at once, get the whole band in there and record, or do you kind of have, let the drummer track out and you go back and redo the guitars? It depends or? on what it is. It just depends on what it is. You know, if it's like, uh, if it's a song that's got a couple of different parts or maybe like different feel, mm-hmm. you know, feel is the hardest thing to catch, especially when it's at a click track that's just, I mean, after a while it's like Chinese water oh, torture, yeah, yeah. just on your forehead just like this. And so, yeah, there's a whole science behind that thing too. It's called, you know, what, ear fatigue. Yeah. That, if it's too perfect all the time, your ears actually start to fatigue and it mm-hmm. then doesn't sound perfect anymore yeah. it's weird yeah and so uh, you know i love to record all together in one room hit go and maybe i'll do a scratch vocal maybe it'll end up working out to be the real vocal mm-hmm. but nine times out of ten it probably won't because you know you're playing you're trying to interact with the other musicians you're trying to get it all like you want it and sometimes the vocals are just there for a place right i think that's what you did that time helped you guys record yeah too. yeah we did the, you know, I always try to shoot for like just the basic tracks means drums are the, the real tracks, bass is the real tracks, mm-hmm. scratch guitar that may end up as a part of as an overdub, uh, you know, mm-hmm. the, the just the basic tracks. If I can get that, then I can do some vocals, and if it needs any overdubs, I can do mm-hmm. that. But, you know, there's all kinds of different ways. You know, building it piece by piece takes a long time, but you can really make it exact and... You know, it's just all what what your vision for the project is, yeah. really, man. I mean, that's just the bottom line of it. And 
there's no right or wrong. There's no whatever. Now, I mean, when somebody tells me, all right, we've got all the instruments. Now, now the drummer is going to come in and record the drums. I'm like, <laughs> well, that doesn't sound like it's going to be very good because, you, you know, the drummer is going to have a real hard time matching up to the bass, guitar, right. piano, and singing. You know, it just didn't seem like it made any sense to me. But, you know. Well, it's kind of where I'm at because I'm doing everything myself, at least for, for the beginning part of it. And so I'll, I'll program out on the drum track and uh, on the using uh, GarageBand, I'll actually do the drums the way I kind of envisioning them sounding. And then I'm going to hand it off to our drummer at church, and he's going to go ahead and play them live over it, mm -hmm. but with his own flare, flare sure. and stuff on there. So at least, but I, I could not imagine a drummer going in and trying to do it over just a simple click track. So, and they would so. not like to do it. Well, I didn't they wouldn't like so. to do it at all. So. A lot of them don't like to play with click tracks, but I'm telling you. Certain spots, it really matters. And, mm -hmm. you know, there's nothing that hurts more than listening to a recording later. It's like, wow, it drags here or that speeds up here. Mm -hmm. Or like one time, uh, Sean was overdubbing some tambourine. And it was very hard to get the tambourine synced up with the hi-hat because we didn't use a click track. Yeah. Wow. And so... You live and learn, you know. Nothing's yeah. perfect. It's once just again, a snapshot of me in the <laughs> seventh grade or whatever, you know. And once again, so back to that, how many hours are you going to spend working on it? Right. right? And sometimes, budget, so. sometimes you just want to get it out there as quick as you sure, can. You sure. know, don't let don't let overthinking kill your artistic. Right, and that's that's why I think I'm once I do find some time, I'm going to start trying to do these these live sessions. I'm not going to call them summer live sessions. There's not enough summer left, but you know, maybe if I get a couple out a month and just basic acoustic stuff do it man maybe overdub some background vocals after the fact but you know let people watch me during the process well so. then see that's the thing it's like they get the inside mm -hmm. look at you know the song from its creation from just a simple germ of an idea mm -hmm. to you know here's a little bit you know more finished realized version of mm -hmm. it and then you know they they will they will feel really like part of it you yeah, know and yeah. that's the society we live in you know i mean I don't know how many, every at least once every gig. There's always somebody that wants to come up and sing with me. Well, look, <laughs> I'm not really here to back you up. Right. I'm here at a gig, and they've paid me to play, and I don't know who you are, and you know, it's just the they want to feel involved. They want to feel like they're active in something. Mm -hmm. That would be very useful and very beneficial, I mm -hmm. think, to do something like that. Well, that one tune that I put out, "Good to Be Alive," and uh, I, had, I had done a video on Facebook says, "Hey, you know, here's the track." Record yourself on your computer, on your iPhone, whatever, send it in, and I'll mash it all together. I had two people send it in, one or two people, and but then I happened to be on a business trip, and I had my microphone with me, my condenser mic. Nice. And I'm like, okay, all my colleagues tonight up at my hotel room, and we all gathered around this thing, and I just sat there and says, okay, you're going to say, Sean Anaz right here, and good to be alive right here, and they did it, and man, it just... Once I got that all mixed in there with the others that uh, submitted, it's like, dude, that sounded really cool. That was great. I, was, I watched uh, that. That was great, man. Yeah, I so, loved it. And, you know, it got people involved. Yeah, yeah. Got them interested. Hey, I was on a record this yep. weekend. Oh, so I actually have some raw footage of us shooting that. So I'm going to, one of these days, put together a little behind the scenes, behind the music. <laughs> Good to be alive. And talk about when I wrote the thing on the hood of my car in Wentz Hall. Right. <laughs> we played that several times in our coffee shop days and man yeah. those are some days huh? those are some days yeah hard to believe that's what it's at least three years ago three years ago yeah. <laughs> i was just thinking it's like shoot it's i'm uh, 31 years since graduating high school it's like, oh yes i am old get over it you can be as cool as me someday i've yeah. been 20 i've been 27 for 20 years oh wait 
crazy. Amazing. <laughs> yeah, I won't tell you what I had to do to be able to make that happen. But well, anyway, there's there's a lot of a lot of things that we probably shouldn't tell what we've done. So. <laughs> Or at least save it for another episode of yeah, the right. Mark uh, About Music podcast. Yeah, on the website, we'll have the real R-rated and X-rated stuff. Oh, exactly. That's you'll a, have to pay for that, That's though. a subscription service. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely, right. Yeah. <laughs> so what's next for you? Well, let's see. Uh, I've got a few things cooking here. One of them is a, a band with the guys from Electric Billy Club called the Black Cat Electric Company. Wow, that's a cool name. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. And so, you know, uh, I've looked up to Bo for a long time. You know, he was with Leon all those years, and I knew Dave from before, and he helped us out on bass. And I met Dustin, you know, when I started working with him for the Trower Show. And so I just really, you know, these guys are real good dudes. They're nice guys. They're excellent musicians. And so, you know, we realized it's like, hey, you know, sometimes to, you know, be able to get different gigs and more gigs, you have to change up your tray a little bit you know mm-hmm. so we're like we're working in some ex- other songs some cover tunes some copy tunes souped them up like our style and so we're working on that and i've, I've got us you know a couple gigs booked in the fall already so gives us something to shoot at yeah and then uh, while continuing the electric billy club hurricane mason sideshow bomb whatever <laughs> you know and so it's like i'm doing that then i've been jamming with my buddy dennis who I played on some of his records, you know, Ace recorded some of his stuff over there and I played guitar on some of it and we've done a bunch of gigs over the years. And, um, so I got a call from him. He said, Hey Matt, I know this drummer. I've been jamming with him at church. And I was like, Oh yeah. He's like, yeah, he's wanting to play some music. I'm like, all right, well, am I playing bass or singing or playing guitar or what? Mm-hmm. You know, cause Dennis is a really good songwriter, singer, guitar player. And uh, he's like, well, I don't know. Uh, maybe we should find a bass player. I'm like, well, okay. So my good luck on that. My friend Jack down the road, who watches the house and stuff when I'm on tour, he's been a great friend of mine, and he's been telling me about this guy that lives across the street from him. And he's a bass player, and he's kind of been out of it for about a decade. His wife had some health issues, and so he's been kind of caring for her, and she's, you know, back in the swing of it all. And so he's ready to get back into it. Mm-hmm. And I was so I called Jack. I was like, Jack, what what's this bass player's name? What like, give me his number? I want to call him up, talk to him. You know, I've been hearing about this for years. You mm-hmm. know, so I call him up, and he's like, Yeah, I'd be down for that. You got a drummer? I'm like, Yeah, you know, David Prince. Hey, me and David were in a band together for 15 oh, years, wow. and I'm just like, What's the How chances, does this happen? Man? Right. So 10 years ago, they were in a band for 15 years together. Wow. And my and oh, Mike, the bass player, lives right down the road from me, across from my friend Jack. So we've been getting together like on Thursday out there at my house, just blowing through whatever, you know, whatever we got, whatever Mm -hmm. we want. So I think, uh, you know, we've been trying to talk about like what what we're going to call this thing because I've been booking some gigs for that too, you know, in the fall. And I don't know. I'm almost tempted to try to do it different where like, okay, when we go out as a country band, we're going to be called this. Mm -hmm. We go out as a rock and roll band, we're going to be called this. We go out as a a blues band, we're going to do this. And so... What I've gotten on the plate now is there's this event center out there near my house, and it's a good sized place. Yeah, it's called the Rogers Event Center. Oh, that's not where we went and saw Willie Nelson. Mm-mm. That was the Claremore Event Center. Yeah, that, that, that was over there by the fairgrounds. The fairgrounds, right. This is out there on 4200 Road. You can get to it off of, uh, you know, it's right and kind of backs up to, to the casino, really, okay. out there. 
So it's like, it holds like 650 people inside. It's got a really nice stage, really nice bathrooms, beautiful grounds. They've got several like gazebo stages outside. So what I'm going to do is I'm starting this uh, music series. Mm-hmm. Once a month, I'm going to have a you know, couple of acts and uh, vinyl records and then you know, a steak dinner. Wow. So all these people around the area, mm-hmm. they'll be able to come and, and have a steak dinner, listen to some vinyl records, and listen to two great musical acts. Nice. All within five miles of their house. And so that's it's like really is a great thing because I'm so excited about doing this because I've realized it's like, okay, you know, you have to take control of your career. You have to right. take control of your destiny. You have to, you know, do something different than what everyone else is doing. And so this is just a great opportunity. I'm really excited about it. I know it's going to be a lot of work, but I think it's the rewards are going to be really good nice nice if you ever need a, a slot for a singer songwriter guy let me know well i would absolutely <laughs> that's why i was over here i came over here i was going to ask you if you want to be a part of it Man, be kind of fun yeah yeah, it, yeah. it's going to be really good we're going to have mean, to sit down and have a business meeting over um, cocktails one of these evenings because <laughs> those are the best business meetings so. exactly exactly <laughs> exactly oh cool man that's exciting exciting awesome well I think we've gotten pretty much covered everything we need to cover out of this uh, podcast, eh? I'd say that's a pretty good start. That's a good start, right? To get us back in the swing of things. That's and... our ticket for, you know, uh, where we've been for the last however many Right, that's weeks. our excuse. You know, like it or not, right? But uh, anyway, hey, you guys, thanks for tuning in. Uh, be sure to be sure to subscribe and click the little uh, little dinger bell so that we get your notifications. We're going to try to get these out once a week again, and at least for the next couple of months until we run into a whole other batch of life to deal with <laughs> yeah sure but uh any questions or comments be sure to leave them below we'll have links then to how you can get a hold of uh, matt's new cd and uh where some of our other videos and things are so until next time i am mark allen v and i'm matt mason peace see ya